You're listening to Just One of the Guys, where I never thought in my life that I'd actually be touched by a song by Jack White. Fall is here, hear the yell, back to school, ring the bell, brand new shoes, walking blues, climb the fence, books and pens, I can tell that we are gonna be friends. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Just One of the Guys, a Green Lantern podcast hosted by the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network. My name's Sean Nagle, and what I do on the show every Friday is cover a Green Lantern comic, specifically from the ones that started with cover date June 1990 and the ones that will be ending with cover date November 2004, all the while putting a special emphasis on my favorite Green Lanterns, Kyle Rayner and Guy Gardner. This time out, though, we've got kind of an inventory issue. And generally, when you think inventory issue, you think it's a piece of throwaway trash that really doesn't need to be in the book. Well, this one's a little different. It's not dealing with the overall story that's going on. It's not dealing with Kyle in any way, really, except in a secondary way. It's focusing more on the women in Kyle's life, specifically Jenny Lynn Hayden and Donna Troy, who meet up to fight against Killer Frost. Yes, it has nothing to do with the Green Lantern story whatsoever, but it's an interesting story nonetheless. Written by Jay Ferber, with art by Jamal Eigel, a fun little tale. Plus, we're also going to be covering some emails from some of you wonderful listeners, and playing a couple of promos along the way. So, as usual, after these promo breaks, we'll come back and start in with our coverage of Green Lantern number 157. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away, a great adventure took place. Oh no! What will we do now? R2-D2, you found a cigarette! Well, I don't think smoking is grown up at all. Don't be so ridiculous, R2. Underrules are for Earthlings. All you need is a little rewiring. The children need to be fully immunized. I'm Gala. Want to buy a droid? Sure, what you got? Wampa, wampa, wampa! We picked up something. It's the Millennium Falcon. I am Boba Fett. The ship you seek is nearby. Growing up Star Wars. Yay! Available the first Monday of every month at twotruefreaks.com. Offer expires May 31st, 1980. R. What's that stand for? Robin. Hello, everyone. This is Rob Myers, and I'd like to invite you to check out my podcast called Robin. Everyone loves the Drake. Rob, are you going to take out the trash? Uh, I'm right in the middle of uh, recording a, an ad for my, my podcast. I'll, I'll do it in just a little bit, okay? Sorry to interrupt. Boy Wonder time. Boy Wonder? I'm all man, lady. Uh, Rob? 
Uh, okay, where was I? That's right. My podcast, Robin, Everyone Loves a Drink. It'll be hosted over at thebatmanuniverse.net. I'll be covering Tim Drake's origin story from the very beginning, starting with Tim's first appearance in Batman 436, also known as Batman Year 3, and hopefully going all the way through the Robin Ongoing series, starting with issue 1 and going all the way to issue 183. 183 issues? Wow. Well, it's a good thing, because everyone loves the Drake. You don't like the Drake? I hate the Drake. I love the Drake. How could you not like the Drake? Who's the Drake? Who's the Drake? The Drake is good. Calabac, Desaad, it is I, Darkseid. I command you to listen to the Who's Who podcast. Uncover the powers and weaknesses of the Super Friends, so that I may destroy them. Aquaman and Superman, Animal Man and Plastic Man, Firestorm and Nuclear Man, Batman and Hawkman, 2D Man and Hour Man. Who are all these people, man? They're all part of the DC. Who's who? Ultra Boy and Mr. Gold, Lightning Lass and Hippolyta, Phantom Stranger, Ditchwick and Arisia and Woody Winks. Hey, hey, hey. What? What about that one guy? What guy? Mr. Pretzel, Mr. Lipstick, Mr. Mitzelfuzzle? Mr. Mitzi's Pitlick? Yeah, him. He's also part of the DC. Who's who? Who's Who, the definitive podcast of the DC Universe. Available monthly at Aquaman Trine, Firestorm Fan, and on iTunes and Stitcher as part of the Fire and Water Podcast. Tangent, an abrupt change of course. Tangent, to go off suddenly in another direction or on a different line of thought. Tangent, a comic event featuring brand new characters with very familiar names. I'm waking up to ash and dust. I wipe my brow and I sweat my rust. I'm breathing in the chemicals. Lines, the DC Comics Tangent Universe podcast. Find it bi-weekly on iTunes and at greatcrypton.com. In the Tangent Universe, you only know the names. And we're back. But before we jump into coverage of the book, let's go ahead and open up the Just One of the Guys email bag, see what kind of letters we've got in there. You've got mail. Pattern baldness. <laughs> And our first letter this time out comes from Aaron Henley, and he writes in with the title Guy Zaro. It's a quick email. He says, good afternoon, Sean. I saw this pic and immediately thought you should know. It's good to know that Guy is getting some hate in there. And what he's got is an image of the DC Comics uh, 
what is it? It's a DC Comics superheroes, Lego superheroes, Justice League versus Bizarro League, and it shows images of the Bizarro Batman, Wonder Woman, Cyborg, and the Green Lantern for this uh, animated film, Guy Gardner. Yes, Guy Gardner has got his own Lego character, and he looks pretty cool. This is, of course, the Bizarro version of him, so instead of being a hothead, he's kind of a looks kind of like a wimp. I think we discussed this on an earlier show that Thomas DJ was on, and he said he kind of had that sort of purple look. Maybe it was Chad Bokeman on it. I can't remember. It was it was someone I discussed this with someone on my show, and he had a sort of star sapphire look, maybe. I'm going to have to check this out. Uh, the Lego movies in general have been pretty fun, and unfortunately, I don't think it's the same guys who did the actual Lego movie. I guess that's Phil Lord and Chris someone. I can't remember. But um, it looks interesting. But Aaron, thank you for uh, cluing me into that. I would be excited if in some way they could get a Lego warrior Guy Gardner, but that's not going to happen. I, I guarantee that. But thanks for writing in and letting me know about this, Aaron. Really appreciate it. The next letter comes in from Hugo Rivera, and he writes in with the title of his email, Podcast. He says, Hey, Sean, greetings again from sunny Southern California. Well, that's glad California is sunny because over the past couple of weeks, it's been cold as it's been cold. Let's just leave it at that. Going back to the email, he says, Just a little note to let you know how much I keep enjoying both Just One of the Guys and Parallel Lines. Oh, thank you very much, Hugo. I appreciate that. Uh, Parallel lines, you've got to give credit to Michael Bradley for that, so there you go. Since I know these podcasts will end eventually, I'd just like to extend my gratitude for doing them and bringing back exciting memories I had when I read these comics the first time around. Kyle was my GL when I started collecting, and I love the concept of Tangent Comics. Whatever endeavor you want to do next, you have a fan always. Sincerely, Hugo Rivera. Hugo, thanks. I really appreciate that. I'm glad you've been enjoying the coverage that I've been doing of uh the Green Lantern comics over here, specifically about Kyle. I haven't read, like I've mentioned many times before in the show, I'm kind of unfamiliar with the run of Kyle Rayner, uh, the Judd Winnick, Judd Winnick run. So getting to do this is a real thrill for me. I always enjoyed Kyle as a character and that he's being written well by Judd Winnick, someone who's, he's had his ups and downs with uh, comic books, but the fact that he's writing good stories here just is it's been a barrel of fun to to cover it and I'm glad that you're enjoying it. I'm also glad you're enjoying the tangent stuff that we're doing over at Parallel Lines. That's been a fun thing too. That was also another comic that was out of out of my wheelhouse. I had no idea what it was about, but there were some great stories in there, some really good art and uh pretty soon by the time this comes out, we'll probably be getting to the midway point or we'll, we'll be coming to the final stretch, actually. We're going to cover some interstitial stuff before we get into uh, Superman's Raid. So looking forward to that. And yeah, unfortunately, both of these shows will be coming to an eventual end, as, as sad or as joyful as that may be for some of you. But regardless, we've still got a few comics to cover, spe specifically on the show. And the one we've got to cover this time out is Green Lantern number 157. Green Letter number 157 was covered in February 2003 and released on December 11th of 2002. This one had a cover price of 225 US and 375 Canada and a title of Girl Talk. 
The guest writer was Jay Fairber. The guest penciler was Jamal Eichel. Guest inker was Scott Elmer. The letter was Jonathan Babcock, colorist Moose Bowman, associate editor Lisa Hawkins, the editor was Bob Schreck, and the cover art was by Ariel Olivetti. The best part of waking up, aside from vultures in your cup, is being former model and current superheroine Jenny Lynn Hayden, who is sleeping next to her boyfriend and Brie Lantern, Kyle Rayner. Or at least was sleeping next to him before he was called away by the JLA to deal with the situation in South Africa. Heading for the coffee pot, Jenny switches on the TV to find the Expositional News Network, copyright Michael Bailey, 2009, all rights reserved, reporting on a waterfront fire that has been raging for almost three hours. Bemoaning her lack of caffeine, Jenny rings up and heads out as Green Lantern. But by the time she reaches the warehouse, the fire is out, courtesy of Killer Frost absorbing the heat from the flames. Jenny wonders what the dealio is, and Frost says that she's just trying to help out and make some time with the haughty fireman. Calling BS on the story, Jenny attempts to take Frost into custody, which leads to the Ice Queen delivering some consequences, copyright Allen and Emily Middleton, 2014, all was reserved, to Jenny by knocking her through the remnants of the building. Fortunately, well, maybe for Jenny, she's rescued from the collapsed construction by the hero Troya, the former Wonder Girl Donna Troy. Wondering how she got so lucky to be rescued by her boyfriend's ex, Jenny asked Donna if she took care of Frost. Donna said she didn't see her when she arrived, but the duo doesn't have to search for too long as Killer Frost blasts them with an ice attack. Telling Troya that Frost thrives on heat, Jenny works with her to deflect her ice blast back at her and trap her in a quickly constructed igloo. Crisis verted, the girls part ways until Jenny caves in and decides to actually try and have a polite conversation with Donna. But the conversation had to involve coffee, so the ladies head over to Radu's to partake in some of the best brew in New York City. Surprised to see two of Kyle's girlfriends together, Radu seats the girls and gets them a couple of cappuccinos to drink. Jenny comments on how she and Donna were both photographers, and how Alex was a photographer as well. Of course, this leads to an Oprah Winfrey level of dishing between the dames on such subjects as rebound dating, Merge proposals and switched up superpowers. But while Jenny and Donna are swapping tails, Kyle makes it back to Radu's and quickly tries to sneak away as he sees his current and ex-girlfriends chatting it up. But Jenny catches him before he can sneak out and ask him to come over and have a seat. After Donna gets up to leave, Kyle asks Jenny why she and his ex-girlfriend were having coffee together. Jenny replies, I wasn't having coffee with your ex-girlfriend. I was having coffee with my friend. Now, if last issue that focused on Jon Stewart didn't feel like an inventory issue, this one just screams inventory issue. But that doesn't necessarily equate to a bad issue. Yes, it's set out of continuity, and Kyle has little, if anything, to do with the plot, but I enjoy Ferber as a writer, and Eichel does a great job at capturing the expressions of the characters and making them look real, significantly better at times than Eaglesham has done. I'm not certain how I feel about Donna calling her relationship with Kyle a rebound, but if this is just a one-off story not written by the main writer, I can go with it. 
going into the book, I really enjoy the cover. Um, it's nice where none of the females look out of proportion or have any ridiculous poses. There's none of the brokeback mountain or brokeback woman look where you're seeing both butts and boobs at the same time. And I do like the font that they use for the uh, title cover, Chill. It looks something like an old EC horror comic magazine. It looks like it'd be on the cover of that. If I were to give any real negative to the cover, it'd probably just be the sort of bland yellow background. It really doesn't do anything to negate the interesting characters on there, but it just isn't the best choice for a background color, in my opinion. Page one, I think Jamal Eigel draws an awesome Jenny Lynn Hayden. Not just because he draws her to look attractive, but it because he draws her to look normal. She's in bed. She's lying in bed. Uh, in the first panel, her hair is all mussed up. When she wakes up, she looks disheveled. Her shirt is all baggy, and there's creases and folds in it. She looks like an attractive, normal person. She looks real, and I, I enjoy that. There have been some comics I've had to look at recently where the women look too stylized and too perfect, and... It detracts for me in reading a comic where the characters don't look like they could actually exist in reality. Jenny looks like a very fit, very athletic, but also very real-looking person. And I give a lot of credit to Jamal Eigel doing a great job in drawing that kind of character. Because you can look attractive, but if you look far too attractive that it's unreal, it just diminishes, at least for me, how attractive a character looks. God, I'm being shallow. Page three, again, uh, speaking on the uh, Eichel's artwork, we get a great splash page of Jenny in her Green Lantern costume with the sort of goofy fingerless gloves, but I'll let that go. It's, it's a nice picture of her, and like I said, again, Eichel does a great job of drawing her, but for some reason... She's surrounded by a bunch of doves. I'm wondering if John Woo came in to give some artistic direction for this panel. Maybe. Page four, panel one. Nice little Easter egg here. The uh, warehouse that was on fire that Jenny's going to uh, try and put out was the Fairbur Eigel machine work. So just a little name drop there of the two writers or the writer and the artist there. And then, uh, you know, I've commented so much on the art. I might as well comment on the storytelling. Ferber does a good job of sort of delivering the humor as the uh, fireman's addressing Jenny and asking what superhero group that she's with, if she's with the Titans, the JSA, or Young Justice, or... It's just amusing. I, I think Jay Ferber is a writer that I'd like to see. I, I might try and find some more of his stuff, or if I look through the back issue bins and find something by Jay Ferber, I might pick that up, because... I've enjoyed all the stuff they did. The interstitial stuff between Mars and uh, Winnick has been really good, and this issue's really been fun as well. Pages 5 through 7. Yes, technically, throughout this part, part, of the, part of the story, Killer Frost was the one who stopped the fire. So I don't know whether she's turned over a new leaf or whether this is her trying to manipulate the firefighters for something or whether there was something in the warehouse that she wanted to get to that she's just trying to scheme the firefighters around that. But Jenny does try and overreact and take her into custody. And 
you kind of have to think if Jenny would just would have said, okay, what's up with this, and talked with her, they could have avoided the fighting McFightenstein here. Page 11, I think it's a nice callback that Jenny knows from Kyle's experience with Killer Frost that Killer Frost thrives more on heat. So rather than attacking her with like heat-based attacks, you need to attack her with cold-based attacks, and that's what both Donna and Jenny do to take her down. So that's that's a nice bit of callback for the book. Page 15, it was nice to see Rado back in the book. Like I said, the one thing that I enjoyed about this this era of comics was it didn't always need to be the grand threat coming in from space or the next story arc that was going to involve some grand scheme of the heroes having to face off against something. You could have these nice quiet moments and having Radu and the coffee shop and the bleaker street irregulars and all of that was what made this era of the Green Lantern comics a really enjoyable one, at least for me and hopefully for you listeners as well. Too often we get caught up in the idea of the big storyline, and it's it's nice to have these little decompression times where we can just sit and have a couple of people conversing and not having to worry about, oh, are we going to have to face off against Relic, or is the uh, is the energy pool for the lanterns suddenly going to die out and destroy the universe? Which I could care less about. But then on pages 16 through 20, all we get here is done with the art and done with the dialogue. Fairbur and Eichel get to really shine here. Fairbur does some really good facial expressions for both Jenny and Donna. He draws them in different emotional states, especially when they're talking about Alex, uh, the looks of joy on each other's faces when they're talking about Kyle's marriage proposal and the sort of laughing look that Donna gives uh, Jenny when she realizes that Kyle proposed to her with the Green Lantern ring. And the dialogue is funny, too. I, I, like I said, Ferber gets these characters. He's having fun with them. And even though I do have a bit of a problem with the idea that Donna decided to call her relationship with Kyle a rebound. The fact that it's in this one-off book and it's not really the main portion of what's supposed to be going on with it is something I can overlook. Page 21, panel 1. This is kind of weird. As Kyle enters Radu's coffee shop, obviously kind of from the back, it looks like he's flashing Radu a gang sign. He's doing this sort of Spider-Man type finger pose thing. I don't know whether that's Kyle just trying to be hip or what, but it just, it's out of place and goofy. Maybe it's just Kyle just trying to be a goof and, eh. It doesn't doesn't bother me. I don't think it's symbolizing anything, but it just seems, like I said, out of place for the character. But the story ends with a really nice ending. These two girls who were a part of Kyle's life don't have a conflict, they actually bond together. And it's it's nice that it's nice that they don't have to write these characters as antagonists. That despite the fact that in normal life there may be some sort of grudge held between the two characters, it's not apparent here. They're focusing in more on their commonalities and they're doing what proper women should do, 
and not proper women in a way, I'm not phrasing this right, but what friends would do. They're just being friends. And the fact that Kyle was their boyfriend currently and formerly is just, it's just another aspect of that friendship. I think Ferber and Eichel here made a really good, enjoyable issue that really didn't have to do with anything major in the story. In fact, nothing is really touched upon on the ongoing story of Kyle getting ready to leave the planet or Terry's injuries or anything. It's just a nice little quiet inventory story. Every once in a while, that's kind of nice to have. I use the word nice too often, don't I? Anyway, maybe the ads will be nice. Let's see if we can find some nice ads. Starting on the front inside cover, we've got an advertisement for Robotech Battle Cry. I guess it's a game for the PlayStation 2, Xbox, and GameCube. And like I said, I vaguely know about Robotech. It's giant robots turning into planes. So, there you go. And further into the book, even more giant robots. We've got Mech Warrior Mercenaries. Uh, I think it's a sort of third-person shooter where you walk around in giant mechs and shoot things. There you go. Next page is another video game ad for Haven. It begins in a dream, then it gets real. It looks like a sort of RPG-type game, maybe. I have no idea. Never heard of Haven. Couldn't tell you anything about it. An advertisement for the WWE subscription book. I guess it's a magazine. 13 issues for $21.97. 66% off the cover price. Yeah. Um, it's got some guy in a mask and then the magazine. It looks like maybe Sean Hart and some girls in bikinis on it. I don't know. Luke Giaconetti would school me on these. So there you go. After that, you've got an advertisement for the Joe Kubert School. Uh, it's a Joe Kubert correspondent course where I guess you can do images of heroes, horror, inking, penciling, story graphics, or supervillains. A correspondence course for for comics? That's okay. I guess that's a thing. Next page is an advertisement for Verb. It doesn't mean that, you know anything to do with the English language. No, it's a, basically one of those advertisements to try and get kids up and active, going out and playing things. And it's got an image of this kid playing basketball, playing guitar, rock climbing, and snowboarding. So uh, it's telling kids to get up and get active. After advertisements for a bunch of video games. Is, is that irony? I'm not certain. After that, got an advertisement for that's basically a sort of path through a darkened woods with signs on the sign saying free magic for a year, premium cards, a thousand dollar scholarship. It's the path to success. It's the Magic the Gathering Super Series Challenge. And I guess if you win this championship, you could get a thousand dollar college scholarship for being a Magic the Gathering player. All right, then. Another advertisement for Starburst, with a person with a handful of different Starburst candies. An advertisement for Wild Arms 3. No idea. It looks like a comic book shop with various different shirts and postcards. I think it's some sort of, uh, again, it looks like an RPG game. Never played it. But there were three of them, because this is the third one. 
Next page is an advertisement for the Nintendo GameCube with the 180 games that come on it. Uh, some interesting ones, Madden 2003, Jedi Knight 2, Star Wars Jedi Outcast, uh, Mario Sunshine, Star Fox Adventures, Sonic Mega Collection. Uh, most of these games from 2003, James Bond 007 Nightfire. I don't know if that was as good as GoldenEye, but yeah, uh, the GameCube was a fun console. After that, we get another advertisement. I think we covered this before. It's Mech Assault, another game uh, based on the Mech Warrior thing. This one on the Xbox only. Then we get a three-page ad. It's a blank first page that says the first, the best, the few. And then we get a two-page splash of a million. Well, I guess probably not a million people. But a lot of people who are playing Magic the Gathering. I guess Magic was huge at the time. So... There you go, more Magic the Gathering cards. Another video game ad for Contra. Uh, what, Shattered Soldier? I guess it's for the Game Boy Advance and PlayStation 2. Interesting. Uh, and then another, I guess another retro one. This is a game Defender for the PlayStation 2 and Game Boy Advance. I couldn't stand playing Defender. That game had way too many buttons in the arcade. I could never... Uh, and anytime you hyperspaced, you hyperspaced right into an alien and it blew you up. Never liked it. Uh, here's another one. An advertisement for Austin Powers in Goldmember. I can't remember, was this the last movie in the Austin Powers thing? Yeah, because it was International Man, Spy Who Shagged Me in this one. Yeah, this is where it was basically pretty much wore out. And who the heck is the girl in this? Oh, yeah, it's it's Beyonce Knowles dancing around with uh, Mike Myers. Uh, you know, I'm not upset that Mike Myers' career failed after this because I got tired of the Austin Powers character, I think, after the first movie. The back inside cover will have an advertisement that'll be fun for Jason Ritter. It's uh, Earth is the Battlefield, the original Transformers Season 2 Part 1. Looks like a nice little silver slipcase with uh, all the discs um dvd box set and includes the first 24 episodes of the second season for 59.95 wow that's that's a lot but uh, if you're a transformers fan i bet you'd probably pay it and the back outside cover is an advertisement for time splitters the most acclaimed game of the year five out of five by opm uh Nintendo Power gives it a 4.75 out of 5. I couldn't tell you anything about this game. It looks good for, you know, 2003 video game, I guess. Again, wasn't playing consoles at the time, so not really certain. But that does it for ads, and that does it for the comic. I hope you guys will come around next time, where we'll be getting back to Green Lantern Kyle Rayner in the next comic as we find out what Kyle is doing off-world while Terry recovers on planet Earth. All this will be covered next week on another episode of Just One of the Guys, so we'll see you in seven days, everyone. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Just One of the Guys, a Green Lantern podcast, hosted by yours truly, Sean Inkle. All images, stories, and music are copyright their respective copyright holders, and no infringement is intended. This podcast is done solely out of my desire to show the denizens of the internet that comic books could be fun, humorous, compelling, thought-provoking, and exciting, 
while not having to fall into the weary tropes of the 1990s. I'm not in any way doing this for monetary gain, which irritates my wife to no end. All feedback for the show can be sent to the show's Gmail account at justoneoftheguyspodcast at gmail.com. All feedback, positive and negative, is warmly welcomed. All spam bots are warmly welcomed, too, as long as your definition of a warm welcome is for them to die horribly in a fire. The website address for the show can be found at the brand new Two True Freaks website, located at twotruefreaks.com. There you can find the RSS feed, as well as scans of the covers, and whatever else I feel like putting up. Look for me on iTunes. Just search for Two True Freaks Presents Just One of the Guys Podcast, and you can subscribe to the show there. You can search for me on Facebook as well, and now you can find me there, as it was a requirement of my new Demonza Core contract. But it doesn't mean that I'll be joining the little Candy Crush group anytime soon. Thanks for downloading and listening, and come back next Friday for another episode of Just One of the Guys, a Green Lantern podcast. The opening music for today's show was The White Stripes and their song, We're Going to Be Friends, off their album White Blood Cells. Now, if you'd like to buy this album, buy this song, or buy this mp3, the best place to go to buy this, or pretty much anything that you'd want to buy, would be Amazon.com. And if you are planning on going to Amazon.com, I suggest you use the link at TutorFreaks.com. Whenever you use the link at TutorFreaks.com, the little banner in the upper left-hand corner of the page, you'll be transported to Amazon.com, and everything you buy there will shoot a little money back to you at TutorFreaks. It won't cost you anything extra, you won't see any extra money taken out of your account, but because we have this deal with Amazon, it gives a little money shot back to us. So every time you're thinking about buying something from Amazon.com, please make sure you use the link at 2TrueFreaks.com.